thing, the word that God really put on my heart for us today is this, is this. And simply, hope came. Everybody say hope came. You know, there's the, the, the saying, it's kind of cliche, it's even part of a verse, and it is, seek and you will find. And all of us go through times in our lives where we're seeking, we're searching, we're desiring, we're, we're hungry for something, or we're in a dark place and we need light in our life. But we're, all of us understand what it is to seek until you find something. When something is very valuable to you, you won't stop until you find it. Have you ever like misplaced something and you're like, I need to get that, I'll, I'll get it later. But then all of a sudden the deadline's here and you got to get it, you know, and then you're tearing everything up and you probably find it in, you know, 10% of the time you normally would find it because you're on high alert. And I think during this time, we need to be on high alert for our Savior. We need to look for him like we've never looked for him before. We, we see this tragedy, you know, uh, that, that's happened in Kentucky and even in part of Illinois and Indiana. And, and, and tragedies like this take place. Can you imagine you and, you know, if you're working 50, your co-workers go or instantly gone. You imagine their families and all that like they experienced already and, and here in Kentucky. And so it's, it's heartbreaking to think about what can happen. But it's also you know, those times we seem to be on high alert, right? We seem to be on high alert whenever we're facing fear or whenever we're facing darkness. But I also want you to be on high alert for the goodness of God. I want you to be on a high alert for, for the promise of God. I talked to you last week about, uh, you know, that we got to have hope for the promises of God. We got to have faith for those promises to live them out, to, to walk in them, to experience them. Because when you experience it, then you have a great experience. What do you do? You shed light on others. You become the light of the world, and they begin to experience it as well because of your light, and your light keeps shining. When we say seek and find, and Jesus said seek until you find, said knock and keep on knocking. As we think about that, we, I think about those that did find Jesus. I think about the lost, the sick, the lonely, the broken, the diseased, the, the outcast, all of those, the lepers, those that were isolated when they sought Jesus, they actually found him. The shepherds found him, right? Others found him. And, and what I want you to realize today is it's so important that we realize that we are in this season of seeking. And we're not just seeking to be looking or, you know, maybe we experience something, but really seeking the person of the Son of God. Really see, even if you've been born again 50 years or 30 years or a year, it doesn't matter, or you're not born again yet, that does matter. You today, you can find him. Amen. Right where you are, right where you're at, no matter where you're living, what's going on in your life, what your situation is, no matter how dark, how isolated you may feel, how lonely you may feel, that's the ones that usually we're open to seek. But you that are comfortable, you that are just religious enough, you that think you're probably okay, you're just not for sure, let me help you, you're not okay. I'm not saying you're not okay with who you are. I'm just saying there's no guarantee to heaven except when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it doesn't matter if I know or anyone else knows, you better know, <laughs> right? That's the key. 
So as we think about it, and, and people were seeking him and finding him, and people uh, still do seek him. A thousand years after his death and after his resurrection, people are still seeking him, and we're seeking him. Millions seek him to be the savior of the world. And really, what is the world? We're not just talking about the Greek word aeon, which is age or the world we live in, the age we live in. When I'm thinking about world, I'm thinking about my world and your world. What's the reality in your world? What, what, where are you at with God? Whether you're down and out or up and out, it doesn't matter, or if you're just in the middle and okay, where are you at with God? Are you at the place where it's just as fresh to you to know that he came for you? You know, whenever I first gave my life to Christ, and a lot of you have heard my story, but, but I'll just never forget that, that Sunday night when I came to Christ, and I'd been into drugs and partying and all that stuff, and I'd just experienced my 21st birthday, and when I came home to the Lord, you know, there was like 17 people in a little Nazarene church, you know, the little wood floors, and they're in Inez, Kentucky, population 600, right? Steph always said, you know, why isn't it 599 on that sign ever since we've been coming? Because you've been going for 30 years or more than that now, right? Well, I'll never forget sitting there with my mom and getting up in that little lime green carpet runner. It wasn't even a carpet runner. It was just like something flat and green. I don't even know what it was. It's cloth, right? And I ran to that altar. And when I gave my life to Christ, man, when I got up, you know, he took the, so many things away from me. Not only forgive me of sin, but he took so many desires away from me instantly. And I don't know that everybody gets it like that, but I did to where I didn't even want to drink. I didn't even, I didn't even want to date. I don't even think I even talked to a girl for six months or something. I, I was just so enthralled with Jesus. And the reason I was so enthralled with Jesus was because I was in such a dark place. I was with family and friends that loved me, but I was alone. I, I, I seemed to be popular and all that, but I didn't feel popular. I, I seemed like I just controlled and did what I wanted when I wanted to, but no, I had no control. I could not do what I didn't want to do when I wanted to. And that, that's a miserable place to be. And it's such a dichotomy when you go from, you know, Addiction, unfortunately, I wasn't addicted chemically. My body, I guess, restrained for more, like many, you know, are addicted to alcohol or drugs. Why? Because the body, not just doing it, but they just can't quit what they want to quit without the help of God and others. But like with me, when God touched me, I, I, all the desire left. And when I look at the darkness I was living in, and then I look at the light I received when I sought Jesus, and he came. He just didn't come to this planet. He just didn't come to this world. He came into my world. He came into me. And when he came into me, he set me free. Know the truth, what? And the truth will make you free. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the hope of the world. And like I shared with you last week, we can't even step into God's promises without faith. But you're really not going to operate in faith without hope. Confident expectation. Confident expectation is, is what gives you access to the tool or the key that opens the door to God's promises. 
You see, we're, we're talking about the one that was prophesied before he came for hundreds of years, about 700 years. Actually, we're talking about the one who lived and died like no one else before. We're talking about the one who people sought, studied, provoked, encountered, argued, and talked about for thousands of years. And guess what? They still do. <laughs> and we see it. We hear it all the time. The one who came, one who, what? We're coming together this one to give honor to him. We're giving honor to the one who came and the one who still comes every time he's requested. Going back to my story, there was such a dichotomy from the deep, depressive, addictive darkness I was living in to the light of the Lord. And, and I don't know, it was January and it, it was dark, but the, the stars were brighter and the Everything was beautiful. I remember even that little church looked beautiful. When I got up and I was free, everything looked new. Everything looked beautiful. Everything looked fresh. I know the next day I was so excited. I was on cloud nine, and, and the sky was bluer than it had ever been. The clouds were whiter and puffier than they'd ever been. And, you know, that's a miracle in Kentucky in January, right? It's pretty gray and gloomy usually. But to me, I mean, I probably would have saw it even if it was gray. I would have saw the white. The clear, the blue. Why? Because there was such a difference made in me because what happens inside you is more important than what's happening to you or around you. And when we begin to step into that truth that he came, and he just didn't come, you know, it's so easy to say, he came. He came for her. He came for him. He came for those. But what about you? What about you? said, so call on him, and he will answer you. Are you calling? Yes. Calling is a form of seeking. So we come together to honor the one, the only son of God. Not now. We're sons and daughters of God. He's the elder brother. He brought us in because God didn't want us to be alone, because God was seeking relationship. That's why he created Adam and Eve in the first place, so that he would have someone other than the angels. You see, when he created the angels, they're, they're, they don't have the ability to live like you and I because they were not made in the image of God. The Bible says we, in Genesis 1, we were made in his image and likeness, both male and female, he made them. He made you and I like him. And why, why did he do that? Because we love to hang out with people like us. We love to hang out with people that, that we have relationship with and we have similarities with or we know each other's differences and all that. God made you and I so we would be like him, so he would have someone what to walk in the cool of the day through the garden with. Amen. So what he did with Adam, he'd just get, come down every day and walk in the garden with him, hang out with him. But then when sin came, well, sin had always been there. God said, stay away from that tree of what? Of knowledge of good and evil. They didn't even know what evil was. They didn't know what darkness was. They didn't know anything. They only had one thing not to do, and that was to partake of that tree. And the reason they did, I don't even know if that, you know, we talk about the fruit. We see the canvas paintings with, you know, Adam, you know, the little cloth on him and Eve, a little cloth on her. And they're taking a big bite out of this big red apple, right? I don't think there was anything in that apple. See, some people, I think, they think it must have been some kind of spell or witchcraft. Man, they bit 
that apple and, and think about it. He bit that apple and everything changed. It wasn't the apple, people. In other words, it wasn't the act. It was the decision. Mm. It wasn't the act of partaking of the apple. It was the decision in their heart to disobey God. So when we seek him, do we really seek him? Do we seek him not only like he came, but like he continues to come? You know, Isaiah tells us about this prophecy, which was 700 years before Jesus came. Isaiah 9-2 says this, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For he who will, for he, for those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. What's he talking about? He's talking about the promise of the newborn baby. He's talking about the promise the Bible calls the light of the world, the Messiah, Emmanuel, the one called to be with us, the son of the King of kings and Lord of lords. People were waiting for a light to come because they were living in darkness. They had no hope. That's what hopelessness is. But when you think about that, and you think about a baby, a baby, an infant, when it's born and it's just a newly born, it doesn't have to do anything, right? It can just sit there and poop and gurgle and smile and cry, but it gets the attention of the room. It's the light of the room, isn't it? You, you can have people in a bad mood and this and that and just bring a baby in there. Just bring a little infant in there. Not at three in the morning when you try to sleep, but just bring an infant in there, right? And, and the whole room changes, doesn't it? People forget about what they're in disagreement over. They're not upset or they're worried or they're fear. They can look at that baby and it brings hope. You see, every one of us, when we were born, there was no hopelessness. When you were born, you didn't think negative. When you were born, you didn't know what sin was. When you were born, you didn't think, man, I'll live at this economy, this social economic level. You, you didn't think, well, I'll have an education or I won't or I'll. No, when you were born, you were born to be in the image of God. But because of the decision that Adam and Eve made, it separated us from God and we were born unto their DNA instead of God's DNA. But the Bible says in Romans 5, the second Adam came. This is not in my notes, by the way. The second Adam came. The second Adam came to take away the sin of the world. The Son of God. The perfect Adam. And because of that in John 3... You and I can enter into the kingdom of God when we are born again. Like Nicodemus, you might say, how can I be born again? I'm a, a, an adult or old or whatever. You, you're born again because the real you is not this flesh and blood. The real you is spirit, which is like God. Your intuition, your communion, your consciousness of God, your spirit, who you are. And your spirit has a DNA. Your spirit has an identity. The Bible says when you go to heaven, you will be known as you are known. Because you're known by who you really are, the image of God, the spirit he created you to be. 
We call ourselves human spirits. The Bible really calls us God spirits in Psalms, remember? He's God, but we're, we're made in his image, the Bible says, in his likeness. Think about it, guys, how he created us and how he made us. But you, whenever we look at that, but the only way we can step into that, we are really walking and talking dead men and women until our spirit is what? Born again. Wow. I could take you through the Bible and show you how you were born before you were born. Because right. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that whom he saved and called with a holy calling, not according to your own purpose, but because of the grace in Christ Jesus before time began, that word, the world began, that word world, aeon, is talking about age. Before the age of dispensation, when God created the world, you were somewhere. And then you can go through Psalms and look at it and find out that God knew you and knew all about you in heaven. So you were somewhere before. You were his because he created you. Just because mommy and daddy came together and you was a twinkle in, you know, daddy's eye and all that. No, no, no. You are because he was. I said you are because he was, and you only will be because he is. So the key is that we realize he came, but he still comes. He died, but now he lives. So you and I who were dead can live. And like Jesus told Nicodemus to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again by water and what? By spirit. What spirit? His spirit has to be your grace. The Bible says that not only in Romans 5 that Jesus is a second Adam, but it said grace came. So God gave Moses, gave the law through Moses. The law, the, 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 Paul calls it the tutor. The tutor to show you how difficult it is to live the way you're supposed to live without the Holy Spirit, basically. Without the word of life. Hmm. The tutor. But he says, but grace came. Grace is not a metaphor. Grace is not a nicety. Grace is not, you know, something that is, is just, you know, it's almost become a fable. It, 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 grace is not a thing. Grace is not a topic. Grace is not a subject. Grace is a person. Jesus Christ is our grace. Are you saved? I'm saved, the Bible says, you know, in Romans 10, we are saved by grace through faith. Okay, so you're saved by a definition? You're saved by a topic? What, what are you saved by? It's not what you are saved by. It's who you are saved through. He came so we could come. He is what? The light of the world. Verse 6 tells us the promise will be fulfilled. It says, for a child is born to us, a son, <clears throat> a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. 
see, see that that's just like the disciples at the time. They they thought when when they go back and read Isaiah's prophecy, and they were taught it when they were children, the different prophecies. That's how they would teach all the way coming up. They thought oh, the government. The government will rest on his shoulders. That means we're going to take over and kick the Romans out of our country, and the government will be on the Son of God, the King of all kings. It wasn't a government. It wasn't any government. It wasn't some government or a government. It was the government, and it is the government It is the government of the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says that we are his ambassadors, those that came to him and he came into us and and we are rebirthed. We are what? Born again. What? In his DNA, his identity. And, and, And we are his, the Bible says we are the ambassadors of Christ. What's that mean? We are his representatives. That means there's a government. An ambassador is a government official. As a matter of fact, wherever an ambassador is, that soil becomes sovereign. In other words, if you attack that ambassador from the United States or or where he's at or attack him, you just attack the sovereignty of our nation. The difference is the sovereignty of our nation doesn't clarify as the sovereignty of the nation of God. The sovereignty of the sovereignty of what the kingdom of God. Why? There's kings. There's kings, but he is the king of kings. There's lords, but he is what? The Lord of Lords. So if he is the Lord of Lords and he is the King of Kings and you are born again because you sought him, because he came, and when you sought him, he answered and he came into you, that means to be a king on this earth is a downgrade from being in the kingdom of God. Being a prep, Pastor Rod used to say it like this, Why would I want to be the president of the United States of America? Thank God people are, but let me say this. That would be a demotion. I am a preacher of the kingdom of God. I am a preacher of the gospel, of the kingdom of God. What could be higher? We we don't honor God's gifts enough. We don't honor his spirit. We don't honor that he came like we should. And I'm not just saying you. I said we, us, together as a nation, of believers. Sometimes we just got to go back to the roots. Sometimes we just got to go back to the foundation and say, he came. He came. The light of the world and God's government was on his shoulders. He was bearing. That's why he said, take my yoke, my burden, for it is easy. In other words, a yoke like two oxen and you yoke them together so they could pull, you know, or two horses or whatever it's pulling. And, and he said, here, be on equal ground with me. I am the head, of course, of the church, but, but you're in my family. You have my likeness. You resemble me. You have the heart of me. You, 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 you're part of my tribe. You're part of my nation. You're part of my kingdom. So if you are made like me, God says, why would you be any less than an earthly king or politician or coach or leader or anything 
or anyone. Anything else other than being a child of God is a downgrade. It's a demotion. To be a son or daughter of God, to have him living in you, able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself, right? To have him, grace in you, the hope of glory, the Bible says. Anything less than that's a demotion. And anything other than that is a demotion. You see, they've been believing for 700 years that this light was come. I'll read it again. For a child is born to us, a son is given, the government. Everybody say, the government. Will rest on his shoulders, and he will be what called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And, and there's Hebrew names for all those. God can't just have one name because he's so vast and amazing. One name can't describe him. But 700 years later, this little baby Jesus was given a pretty hefty job description, wasn't he? I mean, we're born as babies, and, you know, certain things are expected, I guess. But just think about it. What if you're supposed to be the mighty, wonderful counselor, light to the world, the prince of peace? I mean, Travis would, would like, relate it to Luke you know, versus Darth Vader, because, you know, he's that guy. But, but look at Jesus just had to dig on Travis a little bit. He's back there somewhere. The Father, everlasting Father. Wait, he's a baby. Everlasting Father. He, he's an infant in a trough, feeding trough. He's mighty God. But he's helpless. He's, he's swaddled by Mary. He's frail. He can't speak for himself. He can't do for himself. He can't even feed himself. But he's mighty God, everlasting Father. What does that say about you, friend? You don't feel like you're mighty. You don't feel like you're strong. Maybe you don't feel special. Maybe you don't feel like you're part of the king of kings. Part of the tribe. Maybe we don't remember that he came. And sometimes I just got to stop and just visualize that little green lime, lime green carpet runner just to go back before I hit that little old altar back when you had altars, Miss Gwen. You know, the little, you come up a kneeling thing. Not a bench, it's like a little, it's almost like a something Eastern Kentucky is a little different, I guess. It didn't have the thing you put your knee on. You just put your knee on the ground. But it had almost like a, a banister type thing, you know. I'll never forget that, going there and just, just kneeling down. Sometimes I just have to go back to that place. The place where I was born. Oh, not Inez, Kentucky or Martin County. No, the place where I was born again. The place where I first had Jesus enter me. Grace came to me. I was saved by grace through faith. You see, you won't seek without hope, and you won't hope without desire, and you won't have hope or desire, you won't have faith without hope and desire, and you can't have a promise without faith. But remember, the promise is not a subject or a topic. It's a person. He's a person, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the second Adam, which is better than the first. Not really. Think about it. 
why wouldn't they call him 1A and the first Adam 1B? <laughs> because when God made Adam, he couldn't make anything any better. And Satan couldn't touch him. And he couldn't touch Eve. God made them in his image. And in our likeness, both male and female, in the image and the likeness of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God created them and made them so it couldn't be replaced. It just had to be the second one. <laughs> That's the only thing Jesus was ever second in. I mean, how humbling is that for God, the Son of God, to come out of the heavens and of the glory, to be born of a young little virgin and, and helpless and being fed and being, being in a feeding trough in the cold, in the night, in the smell, in the odor, and on top of that, he's not even first. What does that say about you? He didn't come to replace, he came to redo. Because he couldn't do it any better because he's God. What's that old country song? And I'll get you in the gutter here for a second. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was. Now, put your hat down and kick your boots off for a second so we can talk. <laughs> but see, God's not like that. He's always good. He's good what? All the time. And as we begin to understand that, guys, and we begin to relate to that, we realize when you were born again, he can't do it any better because he did it already, and he's God. But you and I get a redo, not because of originally what we did, because every child is born in sin, what? Separation from God. See, we want to label sin. You know what sin is? Anything that separates you from God. That's why John Wesley said, what? well, what is sin? Anything that impedes your heart and your consciousness of God. In other words, anything that draws me from God is sin. It could be good stuff and bad. We always want to talk about the bad. It could be good stuff. It could be that promotion that got you out of church, right? It could be that raise that got you that boat and you don't come to church. It could be lots of things, not just bad things, not just addiction, not just, no. It could be all kind, good, bad, and ugly. All things, anything that impedes your conscience and separates your heart from God is sin. We, we want to like grace. It's a topic. It's a subject. It's, you know, it's a theology, well, what's a theology? Well, it's talking about the word theos in the Greek, which means Godhead. So it's an ology about the Godhead. So if it's an ology about the Godhead, not zoology, not biology, but an ology about the Godhead, then shouldn't God have something to say about it? Maybe that's why he just said, whenever Moses said, who are you, who are you? He said, I am. Yeah, but no, no, really. Who are you? I am. But yeah. I am, because he can't do it any better, because he is. He was, and he always will be. He is the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the ending. He is, because to him, there is no beginning or ending. Our minds can't comprehend it. We live in Kairos time. What? We live in seasonal time. 
We live in chronos time, chronological time, seconds and minutes and hours. We're, we're caught up in time. To God, time is not a fact, it's a tool. Just like putting oxygen in the air is a tool God made for you to depend on him. So really, time is very similar to oxygen, right? When you have no oxygen for a period of time, what? You pass away. When your time is done, you passed away. The problem is so many believers never rest in peace until they rest in peace. Right? And and when they rest in peace, they're not in this body because that's not who they are. This is a tool. The Bible says this, is, this vessel is what carries his treasure. Treasure in earthen vessels. So it's really not about this and how you feel about this and all that. No, it, it, it's about your image. The reason we have bad self-image is because we don't have a good God image. The only way I can have a bad self-image is if I don't appreciate and I'm not grateful for the tool God gave me to walk this planet with. For the tool God, God has me to carry his presence in, his spirit in. So, so whenever we, we get a bad, and, and there can be someone beautiful or handsome, but they feel ugly. They don't feel like they're enough. So it's not just someone that you might look at. And you ever seen someone that maybe they're not the most attractive and all this, but they can walk in a room and everybody thinks they're attractive. And you're going, how do they think they're, he's attractive or she's attractive? But they just believe it. It's that guy that gets that girl or that girl that gets that guy, and you're going, how did that happen? They believe it. It's not fake it till you make it. It's believe it and receive it. You know, we're out here putting our body together and faking it, hoping we make it. And somebody else over here just believing it and receiving it. Why? Why? Because of three words. Because he came. Because he came, we can receive it. But we got to seek it, right? I guess I could preach the message I prepared today here in a minute. So let's so, so wrap up. I, I do want to talk just a second or two about darkness because, you know, when you're Christmas time, isn't it interesting? It's got to be, though, when you think about it. We think about why is suicide rate the highest during Christmas? You know, why is tragic accidents and death and addiction at its highest and abuse at its highest during Christmas? It has to be because that's when grace came. So if you're Satan and the prince of this world, the God of this world, what are you going to do on someone's birthday that's to be honored? You're going to make it as dark and as miserable and as painful as you can make it. So, of course, anything that's good in you is going to multiply, but anything that's bad in you is going to get darker. The light in you is going to get lighter whenever you're a child of God, and, and, or you could be a child of God, and that darkness that's in you is going to get darker if you don't replenish the hope of the glory of Christ that you're in. What is glory? Doxa, God made visible. 
splendor, wonder, magnificent, bright, shiny, God made visible, God seen, glory, heavy, weighty, the Bible calls it. His glory, what is his presence? And so, so many times we just take for granted his presence. Ooh, I just feel the presence of God. That's his glory. You are the hope of his glory. And you are in his glory. And he wants, when you feel that, that's not just um, an adjective and it, to describe something. It's not just a verb, an action. It's a person. It's a noun. It's the glory. <laughs> it's the presence. When we say the presence of God, we talk about it like it's some adjective or adverb or when we talk about the presence of God, God is everywhere all the time. He is omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, but he's also omnipresent everywhere he wants to be, anytime he wants to be. And we treat Satan like that, and he's not. The Bible says he's growing dimmer as time goes on, not brighter. He's got to have his little imps out in everybody's ears. You, you think because God has given you angels, ministering spirits to be in your life, Hebrews tells us, and, and, and they're there and we do, we know that. He's not dependent on angels for information. He depends on angels to carry out what he wants to be carried out and to give you authority to speak to those angels to give charge to them. Satan depends on not, we call them fallen angels. They were not. Micah kicked them out of heaven. Luke's gospel said they hit the earth like lightning. And the Bible calls them imps. Little imps. Imps. Familiar spirits. They're just little familiar imps that come around and get in your ear and mess with you. But the Bible said put them under your feet. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Be in peace. I did a wedding for a very good friend last night, and he doesn't attend this church, but our boys have been friends since they were in preschool, and his beautiful wife, her name was Stephanie, his first wife, and she passed away. I prayed for her many times. We had people, they didn't attend her, but she would come for prayer and stuff. Just a beautiful lady in her 30s and went to be with the Lord. She had cervical cancer and just couldn't beat it. And so that was, thir he, so we're getting ready to walk out. <laughs> he says, you know, Marion, it's been 13 years, five days, like 12 hours, since Stephanie took her last breath. He says, taking me this long. Been dating this lovely lady four years, but even then, it took me nine, almost 10 years to even accept that I need to date again. He says, focused on those guys over there, his two sons, who are handsome young men. He said, but I know when I get to heaven, and he said, hopefully that's a long time from now, She's going to be sitting up there patting her foot saying, okay, honey. Uh, and he says, I know, dear. I could have done this better. I could have done, done this with the boys. I know you didn't. He said, but I can't wait to see her. I'm thankful for this 
beautiful lady now that's my wife who I love with all my heart, but I'll, Stephanie will always be there too. And what I want you to realize is this earth is temporary. This earth was created. It's, it was created in the image of heaven. Not even really created in the image of heaven. Gar- the Garden of Eden, most people don't realize it, the Garden of Eden was a patch on the earth. God created a piece of heaven, just like heaven, and placed it on the planet earth. That's why, why did he tell Adam and Eve, if there's nothing else going on, to go forth to subdue, to take charge? Uh, I could take you through that and show you. Blow your mind. Most people can't handle it. Because they don't want to know. But I want you to realize, guys, really to know is to be known. To know is to be known. How are you known? Who are you known by? You are known. And to different people, you're known as a different kind of person. But to God, you're his son. To God, you're his daughter. To God, you're his baby. To God, you're his child. You, you're the spitting image of dad. Just like that. Verses 10 and 11 says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to, you know, good people or healthy people or to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So what happened? Here are these shepherds. I want to share two quick truths in five minutes. Can I have four extra minutes, five extra minutes, because I'm one minute off from start. Okay, I got to check on my counter over here, my boss. Two, two truths I just want to give you real quickly, and that's this. First of all, Jesus was what? First of all, before I even did it, Jesus was born in the night, right? He was born in the dark time. Not the light, not the daytime. Jesus was born in the dark. Guess where we are before Jesus comes into us, before grace comes in us? We're in the dark. Why is it when we're the most broken, the most, most pain, the most suffering, the loneliest, when we're more open for the light? Then when we're just walking around and then it's not too dark and it's okay and it's a little bit of, I can see a little out, out on the horizon, and we don't pay attention to it. But we're in our loneliest time, our darkest time. I look around this audience today and my heart breaks. I don't want to look at certain people because I know you lost someone this year or couple weeks ago or last week or recently and it breaks my heart for you because I know this is the time right that you have those memories you you want to think the good things but then you it always hits you but they're not with me now oh yeah they are they're still here because if God's in here and they're with God then they're in here 
Now, I'm not trying to make a theology out of it. I'm just saying, I don't know, common sense would say, right? If we're the hope of glory in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, his grace is in you. Hmm. Must mean they're part of you somehow. Is heaven way up there or is it in the unseen? Is it just like a matrix you just step over into? Because didn't Jesus walk through walls after he was resurrected? Now, we're not talking wooden walls. We're talking big rock walls. How'd he get out of the tomb? So, so, so our mind is so infinite. I mean, not infinite. It's so finite. Right? And, 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 and he wants us to live in a, with an infinite mind to be open to realize that he's with us. But if he's with us, so are they. Oh, you know, the great cloud of witnesses. The great cloud of witnesses that are looking upon you right now. They're not just looking upon you. They may be, who knows? I don't know. But I know. They're with us. Oh, what's his name supposed to be, this baby? Jesus, right? But, 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 but what was the other part of that name? Emmanuel, what? God with us. So if they're with God and God is with us, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'll get, you don't get letters anymore. People comment online, whatever. I would say, you know, get a new crayon, but whatever. Pray at your fingers. Well, no, okay. So let me wrap this up. Luke 1, 78 says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Amen. You can have the light of heaven every day of your life, 24 hours a day, but you got to seek it. You know, you ever seen somebody, man, you can like look your best, you're feeling good, and they look at one thing, go, man, you got a little something there on your cheek, or what's that on your, you love your, what's that, I just don't quite look like you, I don't know, you know, did you do something in your hair? Yeah, I thought so, yeah. The first truth I want to share with you is this, <clears throat> hope came. That's it, hope came. And we see that with the shepherds, right? And I talked to you last week out of Luke 2 about how the shepherds, you know, they saw the angels of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, and then other angels as well, and the light was so great. The shepherds were lonely. They were isolated. They were the kind of the lower class, we'd say, of people or whatever. I don't know if you use the word class, I don't know, whatever. The, but the, not the most economic and hot and whatever people you'd be around, right? They were the smelly people. They were the people that had all these extra dumpy things to keep them warm at night and carried their stuff to eat. They'd stay out for weeks, even months with their sheep because you didn't have insurance, right? You had to take care of them. You had to protect them from the lions and the bears and people. But shepherds were considered to be loners and lonely and different and out there. It was like its own tribe. Isn't it interesting that the first account we have of announcing the Son of God was to the shepherds? The people in the darkest, coldest time. I mean, at least Mary and those guys were in a barn and could stay kind of warm. They're out on the range, right? They're out on the, out in the desert gets so cold at night. They're out there in the cold, the dark, the elements. See, when you're in a cold, dark place in the elements, 
the element of addiction or mistrust or hurting a loved one or hurting yourself. He's with you. He's just waiting for you to be with him. He's just waiting for you to seek him. He already sought you. He sent his son for you. Now you do need to do, the Bible says uh, in Matthew's gospel, is knock and he'll answer. Seek and you'll find. You know, it's uh, the shepherds were the unclean, the isolated, the forgotten, but God came to them. So God has the perfect gift we're often looking for, looking to receive, because he pursues us. I love this because what God brought church to the unchurched. He brought ecclesia. God, God brought himself to those without So we see that what hope came. And here's the second one, the second truth. We'll read two verses. Suddenly the angel of the Lord joined, was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Tell me it's not a kingdom if it's got armies. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, didn't just say the angels of heaven, right? But the armies of, anyway, just let your mind go there. That, they're part of that. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God, the highest of heaven. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You see, the first part of our mission statement is belong. And, and the reason God gave us that is, why are you going to believe if you don't feel like you belong? Why are you going to believe what I have to give you if you don't trust me? Belong means to be loved just as you are, not as you or anyone else thinks you should be. The only time God is really pleased with us is when we accept his love. And once we accept his love, right, once we accept his love, he's pleased. Even if we mess up, he's pleased because we're his kids. His grace is sufficient, all-surpassing, superabundant. So, First one is hope came. Here's the second one. Hope is a choice. Hope is a choice. They weren't satisfied. The shepherds weren't satisfied that they just heard about Jesus. They had to go see for themselves. You see, I made this statement earlier, the most dangerous place to be is not lost, addicted, and broken. The most dangerous place to be, the Bible says, is lukewarm. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm in Revelation, I will spew you out of my mouth. Hmm. It's more dangerous to be inoculated with religion, just, just a little bit of God, just enough to make you feel like you know him, but you don't know him. When the Bible says know the truth and the truth will make you free, the Greek word is ethnosis or ethnosis. It means to know as to begot or beget. It means to know as to be mingled together to birth or to be born. It means relations, intimacy. How you make kids, if you know what I mean. That kind of course, not, not the golf course, right? <laughs> not the outer. I just can't say everything because I've got kids in here. But you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to get to the point he says, if you, if you haven't had that with me, 
then you don't know me and I don't know you. You may heal the sick, you may win the loss, but in that day I will not know you. And you'll be thrown in a lake of fire. What's he saying? I'm not talking about what we see that as. What he's talking about is that's how you're born. You have to be mingled with him to be reignited. You, you, you have to come as one with him to be one with him. To be born again. These shepherds didn't want to just know him. They wanted to know him. And it was risky. They left their sheep. They could have been stolen, killed. They left everything to go see this baby. You know, I, whenever I was growing up, in the early days, you never missed church. But as I got older, teenager and stuff, you know, I'd come to church some. And a young adult, obviously, I didn't go much at all. But I, I would just come just enough because, you know, I wanted to please mom. I'd come occasionally. And, um, you know, my mom was a, just a faith-filled, praying woman, believing for all of her kids. And, uh, you know, I was pretty rebellious, obviously. So every now and then, I'd put some church clothes on and, put my church face on and go to church with mom. But it didn't change me. See, you, you, you can put your church face on, you can put your church clothes on, but it's not going to change you. You can be an older boy, older girl, preacher, you can be whatever, but it don't change you. The only thing that changes you is, is that that transforms you. And the only thing that transforms means to transfigure or to change you from one thing into another, not to just upgrade you, but to totally transfer or transform you from this to that. And you now are living in this. It used to be you're that. You used to be dead, but now you're alive. But sometimes we live like we're that back there instead of this. So hope came, but these shepherds wanted to know hope. But it takes a decision. They had to make a choice. Not only to leave their most valuable livelihood behind, but to walk in the cold night through bandits, through thieves, whatever it took, to not really know where they're going. They're just looking at the star, following it. They didn't know how long it would be or how far it would be. And then it's over this little barn where Jesus was, right? So my fear is that there's just in the south, especially here, Kentucky, we're weird. We're not north or south. We're just whatever. We're right a little bit of everything, I guess. But we're considered south. But it is definitely Bible Belt country. So my fear here is that we live in the south just, and when we get just enough religious knowledge to cover up our brokenness. We get just enough religious knowledge about God to cover up our hurt, to cover up our pain, to hide in our darkness, and to hide our darkness in us. See, what's in you, remember, is not only more important than what's going on around you, but what's in you is what has you. Right? Hmm. Out of the heart. Out of the mouth speaks the abundance of the heart, right? And that's who we are. 
Some things we can't even say out of our mouth, but we know it's in there. So I want to pray for you today. I want to, every head bowed and every eye closed. First of all, you that don't know Christ online watching you here, or maybe you're so far away from Christ now, you we called it in the old days backslidden. Now we call it far away from, whatever. The, Bible, the problem is, is some people believe once saved, always saved, or maybe you wasn't saved. Let me just tell you this. You better know that you know. So if you feel like, you know, I don't know if I've hit the total sin meter enough to go to hell if I die, don't play with it. Because it's not about that. It's about the peace of God that passes all understanding, the joy of God, the glory of God. That's what it's all about. So whether you're far away from Christ or never knew Christ, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. You on the online can just hit a wave or something and let them know. But today, you've heard me say it. If you've been here a while, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise to no one's what the Bible says. So how about it? You ready to come home? Maybe for the first time or maybe the fifth. I don't really care how many times. The last time is what's important. Make this one your last one. Hopefully, you have hope today. What is conviction? Conviction is when light is shined on something that's out of order. Condemnation is when something's out of order and you got to fix it in the dark. Jesus came in the dark to be the light of the world <laughs> so that you wouldn't have to fix it. You just got to come to him. He's already fixed it. So today, if you want to come home to Christ, born again for the first time or rededicate, whatever you want to call it today, on the count of three, raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. One, two, three, just raise your hand. I want to come home. Thank, keep that hand up. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Others? One brave person in the room. They're probably doing it online, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Let's pray for this lovely person right here that's, that's coming home to Christ. Let's all pray this with her now. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you came, you died, and you rose again. I thank you that your blood, your DNA, is my atonement. And you said, if I would believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. I believe. I confess. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Now, in Jesus' name. I am born again. I'm saved. I'm blood-bought. I'm a child of God. Give God a shout of praise. And I want to do one more brief prayer. I know I was supposed to stop early today, but bow your heads. You're in here today and Wherever you're at as far as hurt, pain, loss, suffering, regret, remorse, grief, I want to pray for you. You online as well. Father, just everyone put your hands on your heart. And I want all you out there to put your hands on your heart too. Father, I just right now release faith to heal, to save, to set free. God, I release faith to the faith, faithless, hope to the hopeless. I release your anointing right now, your presence, your DNA to come upon every one of us that just need you today. Even though we've been children of God forever how long, we just need you today. Be the light of our world, the light of our life, our hope, our grace, 
We know you are. We know you were, and we know you will be forever. So today manifest on us, and I thank you that I am in your light, in your glory, in your heart, in your mind, in your kingdom, in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.